The song that we sung before the scripture reading, Living by Faith, sets the tone for us, sets a reminder to us of a life that is expected of us, and we're reminded of a difficulty, if you will, in practicing that. Then in the reading this morning out of Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9, that concept again of this trusting in God and being able to petition God, to be able to offer thanksgiving unto Him, to know that He works in our life and that He's there for us in the life that we do live. But oftentimes we tend to think about Thanksgiving as that time of the year approaches for us. In the light of the human response to what we see about us, we think about the first Thanksgiving, the pilgrims enduring a hard first year and then having the crops and being able to want to give thanks back to God who had provided for them during that period of time. And yet, how many times do we forget what God has done? For us now, Thanksgiving is a totally different concept for us. The time for gathering of families, the time to watch the annual football games on television, Time to relax, have a day off, whatever else is involved. But how much of it is really giving thanks to God for the blessings that he's given to us? And do we really understand the blessing of having the creator of the universe to have given specific concern for you as an individual enough to have planned your redemption before the foundation of the world and then for you to have carefully executed that plan in human history as varied as it is and has been to make that sacrifice How often do we spend time in Matthew 26 and 27 thinking specifically what the Lord went through for you as an individual to understand His working in your life each day that you live that He indeed because of a love that He has for you has prepared an eternal dwelling place in his house. And yet, as Paul would remind the Philippians, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Be anxious for nothing, 
Setting the tone, I think about Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The word there has that meaning, created out of nothing. It's amazing what man has been able to do and to achieve. The progress that will continue to be made. Verse 26 and 27 of Genesis 1. God created man in his own image after his own likeness. And I like Genesis 2 and verse 7. And God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. You think about what God has already provided for us. The psalmist reminds us in Psalm 19.1, The heavens declare the glory of, the, of God, and the earth shows forth his handiwork. We marvel at what we see. The more we're able to probe into space, the more we marvel at what is out there. There's nothing that man has created or will be able to create that will even begin to match what God has created with the spoken word. And for what? The heavens declare the glory of God. Well, who declares that glory of God? The heavens do, but we are able to behold. It's for us. And the earth shows forth his handiwork. Again, going back to Genesis and God creating with that spoken word, all that is there, but the handiwork of God. Just reflect on it for a while. Everything that we see so precisely designed. We sometimes fuss about all the acorns that show up on the sidewalk out there, except for the kids. Uh, They enjoy them. But to again consider that the genesis that's in that acorn And what it's able to produce for us, for us to behold. You look at all the variations of plant life for our beauty. All the variations of animal life, fish, birds, for us. And to see the preciseness to see the detail in what God has created for us. And then to see the design of the human body. All of that, and again trying to get us to see it for a moment, that with all of that, 
Does that not demonstrate the love of God? Does that not show us the, the care? Why he would take, take so much for him is not the effort or time, but why he would give such detail in that which is so temporal. The trees will come and go. The animal life will come and go. To see how they design them is interesting to see those who are describing the, the flight of the butter, butterflies down south. And to hear how they're describing that, catching the, the winds from the nor- <coughs> north and so forth. But as they talk about it and how they want to do all that, that's up to them. But once the butterflies are hatched in, Mes- in Mexico, they said it takes four generations of butterflies to come back north. And it only takes one generation to go south. He did that for you. Do you not think in all that he has done that he does not care for you as an individual? He's created you unique and distinct. No two human beings are exactly alike. And that he cares individually that through all of this he has planned for your redemption. Then why would Paul need to say be anxious for nothing? Why are you concerned? We look at what goes on around us. We get concerned over what goes on around us. We may be involved in a lot of it that goes on that we do not understand. But why are we anxious? Anxiety causes us to be pulled apart, if you will, in opposite directions. We know, but we see. We believe, but we perceive over here. We get pulled. What we see going on over the visible eye, the physical eye in, in God's people and the world. Do we not believe, do we not trust that God is absolutely in control of what takes place? He has a way of working things out in His will and for His glory that we fully do not understand. Again, we just marvel at what he's created. The heaven declaring the glory of God and the earth showing forth his handiwork, including us as part of his handiwork. And we see that his will is being worked out. We don't fully understand it. It's not worked out in a way that we would like it to be worked out. Or to the degree that we might want it to see it worked out. But why are we anxious? Why do we worry? When we worry, it just strangles us. What are we going to do?
And the we is normally me, myself, and my shadow. What are we going to do? It's not what is God and I going to do. It's what am I going to do? How am I going to control what's going on in my life and in your life, in the lives of those in the brotherhood, those of the world? How are we going to control that? Human history already shows us that that does not happen. You cannot legislate laws to control people. You cannot legislate laws to make people do what they ought to do. And we worry. What's going to happen to us? It's a common thread that runs through humanity, it seems. Taught with generations above mine. And in those generations that talk, I hear the same thread being expressed. And that thread is, I do not know what is going to happen to this generation. Always a reference to the the younger ones. I do not know. I don't know how they're going to make it. And God is still provided, has he not? God is still in control. But we worry about who they are and how, what they're going to face. You hear it all the time. The, the children of, that are children now for us are going to face things in school and in society that we've never had to deal with that are older. Trials and obstacles and what's going to be available to them. We try to control it and regulate it. But Satan always has his way, does he not? In trying to influence the world away from God. And to influence Christians away from God. How do we win that victory over anxiety? Paul says we ought to pray about everything, big or small, but we ought to pray about everything. We sing the song, take everything to God in prayer. But do we do that? Don't worry about anything. But pray about everything. Do we not believe that our prayers are heard by God? Do we not believe that our prayers are answered by God? Not always in the way that we would prefer them to be answered or that we thought they would be answered. But to believe that He does hear and He does answer. Why? Why else would we pray if he did not respond to us as individuals? And often he, again, answers prayers in ways that at the time we have not thought about. God, help me. 
to have a greater faith and a trust in you. Well, how do I think he's going to answer that prayer? How am I going to have a greater trust and faith in God? You've heard me say before, I prayed for patience and God gave me three children and I quit praying for patience. Well, God found other ways to help me develop patience called drivers on the roadway. But I'm simply saying, how do you believe patience is going to be achieved? If there's not experiences for you to exercise patience, God does answer the prayers. Let me have a greater faith in you, God. Well, the world will help you with that one. Where else, where else could I go but to the Lord? We worry about things we have no control over. Since we're still in the season, how many of you still worry about what's going to happen in, in politics? What's going to happen in the government? What decisions are going to be made? And does not God already know? Is his will not being worked out? And do we not trust him in working his will out in our lives? Pray about everything with thanksgiving and supplication. You look at the supplication. When I can really focus on who God is and be reminded of who He is, of His love and His compassion, His grace, His mercy, His long suffering with me as an individual, with us as a congregation, with humanity in general. To petition him. To address ourselves in our devotion to God. Think about who he is before you petition what you're asking for. And oftentimes we need to rethink, what am I asking for? What, are, what am I really wanting in the prayers that I render to God? God, remove the tension in my life. God, remove the illness in my life. Oh, God, please take away the troublemakers in my life. What am I praying for? And asking God, petitioning Him. Ephesians 3 and verse 20 reminds us that our God, He is able. We just need that to begin with. Our God, He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all 
that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Catch the last part of it. To the power that God has given to us, the power that works within us, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. Help me to learn at times to let go and let God work. To let go. It's hard for us to let go. We're, we're geared, if you will, as human beings to be those that are in control. We're geared to, you set your own destiny. You're in control of what takes place. Do not allow anyone to interrupt that or to disrupt that. No, God is in control. And He has a will that I don't fully understand. And He has a purpose that I don't fully understand, but I am eternally grateful for. Salvation of the soul. And how many times do we do it in our prayers with thanksgiving? Come Thursday, we'll be grateful for the turkey, the ham, or whatever else is going on. But with thanksgiving, appreciation. No way to fully understand what life would be without God. There's no way to fully understand what life is with God. But a life without God is far worse than a life with God. And a life with God is far greater than a life without God. But how many times are we like the lepers that Jesus healed? The ten lepers? How many times when we've asked and it's been granted that we fail to thank God? Nine of the lepers that were from God's people, nine of those lepers did not even think about returning to thank God for giving them what they had asked for. You can make us well. Go your way. Show yourself to the priest. And they went. But only one from that despised race of the Samaritans, only one came back to thank Jesus. Are we grateful? Are we honestly grateful for what we have and who we are? Are we honestly grateful that God still works in our lives in the working of His will? Are we reminded how, as Paul was closing out the reading, the scriptures were being read this morning, Paul's closing out there in Philippians 4. Finally, brethren, 
Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things that you've heard, you've learned, you received, you've heard, and you saw. You do these things. You meditate on these things. And a God of peace will be with you. What more could we ask for? What more could we anticipate? than what God has given to us already. And what God promises for us eternally has already been prepared to those who love the Lord. Where is your life today? In the light of the Word of God. Where is your life as a child of God? In light of what the Scriptures have laid out for us. Being anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and thanksgiving, with supplication and with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Where are we? What changes need to be made in our life? to help us, encourage us, challenge us, motivate us to move from centering on things that we can see to centering on the one who gave so that we might live. As you look at your life this morning, is it in light of the Word of God? Has the Word touched your lives in such a way that for one or two it may be to become His child? For others it may be to acknowledge that they've allowed this world to permeate their heart and their life and to dwell on things that ought not to be dwelt upon. We need to commit that life back to God. It may be that we simply need to do it in our own private way. It may be that we need the prayers of brothers and sisters in Christ. But we have a need to make a life right with God. An opportunity is extended this morning for you to be able to do that. And if you need to respond to that invitation, indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing. Amen.